Hey everyone, Super Shadow here. Just wanted to say thank you guys so much for checking out this episode. I also wanted to take a quick second to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode. We literally could not do our shows and have them out for all you guys to hear without this one. And I'm talking about Anchor. And if you haven't heard Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast because of a few reasons here. One, it is absolutely free. They will never charge you. Uh, it's absolutely free to sign up, make an account, and get started today. Uh, also, there are a ton of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Not only that, Anchor will take your podcast, take your videos, your audio files, and have them so that they can be heard all across the different platforms. I'm talking Spotify, Apple Music, and many, many more. You also can start making money right here, right now. That's right. Anchor has no minimum for their listenership. You could join, make an account for free, and start earning money today. It's everything you really need in a podcast all in one place. So go download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. Why not? Why not get started? You can do this. So again, go to anchor.fm or Anchor app in your app store and download it today. Thank you, guys. up my guys oh man who is ready for season six of passage after dark feels crazy that we've already Ooh. been at this for six season uh but here we are um and go ahead and kick this thing off let's go and introduce the rest of the team to you uh, my name is dr heels i'll be the host today uh our boy super shadow is the streamer for today hello hello and the man with the spicy hot soup tonight is going to be father ironheart Hello, everyone. Welcome. Glad to have you. We have, we're going to do soup box a little bit different today, so please feel free to hang out until the end, and uh, you'll have to see what that's all about. Looking forward to it. All right. all right. And our gatekeeper, the man you can ask all your questions to, go and get those ats ready, at Pastor Deustin, uh, but as our boy, Deustin. Yep. Happy to be here. Excited for season six. It We had kind of a long break this time. We so did. We did have a long break. It was Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah. We We were going to start last week, and then... You know, most I figured most of us, our wives would appreciate having us around to help with kids. And yep. so so we took an extra week. We we're only supposed to do mm -hmm. three. We ended up doing four. We did an entire month. No pads. Felt longer than that. Yeah. But it yeah, felt yeah, like yeah. A long time. I think we spoiled my wife a little bit. She was surprised I actually had to leave early today. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we are back back with season six of today's. Uh, topic I think is a really good one. We're talking about divorce. What's the Bible say about divorce, reconciliation, and remarrying? Um, before we dive in, uh, Deuce, you mind open us up in prayer? Absolutely. Cool. <clears throat> Father, we love you. We praise you. Lord, thank you so much for another opportunity to come back together to dig into your word over these uh, difficult questions and things that uh, people have always wanted to know but have never wanted to ask. Lord, I pray that you would be with us tonight during this conversation, that um, you would receive all the glory, that you would illuminate your word to us as we dig in together, as we 
um, share our own experiences and in, in helping people with these sort of things and seeing what the word has to say. Um, God, I pray that uh, you would use this to draw people to yourself, that the kingdom would advance because of what you're doing through uh, the show tonight. Lord, I pray that you would draw people to this stream who need to hear uh, this important message tonight. Lord, I pray that you have your way, that you lead us and guide us, and that everything is for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Uh, with that said, guys, we will just kind of jump right in. But the way this typically goes, if you're new to the show, is I have a couple questions I've prepared, but really the greatest conversations comes from the questions that you guys ask while we're live. Um, so feel free if you have any questions based on anything we've said. If you're uh, if anything we've said is unclear, uh, you are welcome to type in a question uh, at Pastor Deucen. He'll be uh, copy and pasting all these into a document so that we can address them. Um, and really, that is truly where the most growth comes from is when you ask those questions to us. Uh, but I do have a couple of questions. I want to run by these guys, get some opinions. Um, and then again, guys, help us keep the conversation going. All right. My first question, and I'll throw it over here to Ironheart, um, <laughs> is why not? We'll start with Ironheart today. Uh, does the church today have a biblical understanding of divorce? Do you think that the church today has a biblical understanding of divorce? It's uh, an excellent question. I think, I think on paper... I would say maybe, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I would say that in practice, probably most likely I'm leaning towards no. Um, I think the church is, the, I think the church is, is way too relaxed on divorce. I think that um, because the divorce rate is is so high, even among Christians, I, and I don't have an updated statistic, so if someone has those, but but I had remember seeing that like the overall divorce rate was like fifty percent, and then the Christian divorce rate was around fifty percent as well, and so it was like okay, um, so I would say from a from a, like an individual American Christians perspective, I would say that. Divorce is not seen as something that is that big of a deal, as big of a deal as it should be. Um, and I think that the church as a whole, like I said, in, in writing, maybe they disapprove, but in practice, it seems like it's not as severe as it should be. Um, that's kind of my initial thoughts and reactions to divorce. Um, Deustin, what do you think? I agree. Like whenever you say on paper, yes, there's there's a clear understanding of what divorce is and it's because <laughs> this is that paper <laughs> the bible's pretty clear on on what it has to yeah. say about divorce um but the thing is it, it's hard <laughs> there's some hard truths whenever it comes to the subject of divorce remarriage reconciliation these kind of things and um in our uh 2021 americanized church culture sort of thing it it is so, so, so common to not go to what the text says, not see what God has to say about something, but instead have an idea of what we would like and then see how we can make God's word fit into that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd say overall in practice, I'd agree the church is very, very, very soft on divorce. And we see that uh, in the statistics between Christians versus non-Christians who are getting divorces. Um, whenever the Bible's very clear on it, uh, but it's, it, it brings up hard truths. It makes marriage and life much harder. <laughs> um, but we'll get into all the things about what the Bible says about it tonight. But, um, yeah, it, 
that that'd be my my first reaction too. Yeah. Is uh, does the church have a uh, a good understanding of it uh, or a biblical understanding? Um, not one that we're acknowledging enough. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. I, I would agree with you there. So I want to I want to pose a question to to Shadow. Um, could you contrast at least briefly? Um, how the world sees divorce versus what biblical divorce looks like when you uh, compare and contrast those two? Sure. Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think biblically, you know, we see marriage as being something that is a gift from God. It is a sacrament. It is something that is uh, that that is interactive with our senses here on the earth um, that can speak to a spiritual truth and reality that we can't, you know, touch, smell, taste, see. Um, and marriage is supposed to be the the sacrament of the the coming of Christ and his bride, you know, Christ and the church here together, um, this union that is never supposed to be separated or be able to be separated. Um, and that's what it's supposed to be there to represent, to be a reminder of for believers and for Christians. Um, you know, God gives us the ability to reproduce through marriage, you know, to enjoy one another and to have that union as a reflection of the truth of, of the spiritual reality of uh, God and his church. All that to say, right, that marriage isn't just for us. We get to enjoy it, and in its right perspective, it is for us, but ultimately it's for the glory and honor of God. Now, that contradicts completely with what the world says marriage is all about and is. They say marriage is, you know, if, if you ever even want marriage, first off to begin with, marriage isn't this thing that is prioritized. It's not something that's viewed in high regard or having high value. To most people in the world, it is something that, is uh is an add-on to your life it's not essential it's not something that um really creates any great value unless you personally just want it um and really it's more for your enjoyment your pleasure uh and what can you truly get out of marriage where when we as we get in deeply here i don't want to take up the whole episode with this but as we look deeply at at marriage biblically it it's the exact opposite of that marriage isn't about just what can you get out of it but more what is God teaching you through marriage? What can you do to honor God in your marriage? Um, and that's totally, totally separate from what the world would say and counter counterpoint to what the world would say is where marriage is all about you and what you can get out of it. And you only need to stay in marriage as long as you are happy or getting something from that marriage. I'd say that's kind of the first big contradiction you see. Right. So I want to bring it back back around. Uh, Ironheart, would you would you care to share with us what your understanding of like biblical divorce is? <laughs> so there's from my I mean, I guess it depends who you ask. There's there's different understandings of biblical divorce. But I the camp that I land in is that there's um, for sure two clear biblical grounds for divorce um, outside of those two grounds for divorce. um, Divorce is not an option, biblically speaking. At least it shouldn't be. Um, let me make sure I have my references correct here. Um, in, in Matthew's gospel, um, Jesus talks about divorce. Uh, grounds for divorce is, is appropriate in grounds of um, sexual immorality. I think it's Matthew 5, 532 and 19.9 um, are the two spots in Matthew where he talks about that. The, the other spot... Uh, the other grounds for biblical divorce is abandonment by a non-believer, and that's 1 Corinthians 7.15. Um, that says, but if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. Um, 
So from my understanding, at least from like a quick answer, those are the two situations where biblical divorce is, is clear. Now, I know there's other situations that are probably going to get brought up that we could talk about in a little bit um, and what to do with those. But from like super clear biblical responses, those are the two that I see. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. For sure. And, and kind of hitting on those, like the other, the other topics, um, uh, cause I, I know that we, at least maybe uh, Ironheart and I talked about this last week or whenever we chatted last, um, like the abuse comes up in that and like, mm-hmm. how would you cover uh, someone who's in like an abusive relationship if it, uh, you know, doesn't kind of meet like the, the biblical standard. And so, I mean, I don't know exactly how to pose that question. So I do want to throw it to Deustin. Um, it, <laughs> what go. would you say to someone? <laughs> yeah, I don't know the answer. So I'm going to give it to Deustin. That's where I kind of went with that. Um, right. um, what would you say to I someone who's it. in a, a relationship like that? Um, that maybe they can't find any biblical clarification for, for an answer? Right. Um, a lot more than I can say in this little blurb. <laughs> but mm, okay. um, <clears throat> yeah, so the... Like like Father Ironheart was saying, yeah, the Bible is clear on for sure two different uh, uh, reasons biblically for divorce. Um, one is adultery, or one is sexual immorality. Let me uh, clarify, and uh, one is if the unbelieving spouse leaves, uh, just leaves you, deserts you, abandons you. Um, but a very common thing that comes up is, well, what about if I am in a an abusive situation and relationship? Am I just supposed to you know, hope the person doesn't kill me or abuse me and, you know, cause more trauma and harm. Um, Well, the Bible doesn't say specifically anything to that situation in regards to divorce. Um, But what I would say as a pastor, someone trying to uh, lead and help and guide and instruct someone through that, um, I would, again, I have to say a lot, but, um, First off, to rem- sorry, someone's playing with my my toys on my stream. I need to turn them <laughs> off in a minute. Yeah. I just heard a poggers in my ear that I don't know if y'all heard. No, we can't um, hear. It. No, we didn't actually know. <laughs> okay, I'll turn those off after this answer. Yes. Um, that totally threw me off. Oh, um, you're good. You're good. Wow. Um. Man, where was I? Uh, you were talking oh, about okay, yeah, if first, you were to tell somebody about neglect or, or mm-hmm. yes, yeah. thank you, thank you. First thing I would say is that you need to remove yourself from that situation. You need to remove yourself from physical immediate danger or uh, emotional abuse or whatever. You need to get into a safe situation. Um, you need, uh, depending on the situation, because this abuse can be a lot of different things and look different in many different ways. Um, but if you need to get uh, law enforcement involved, do it. Um, so protect yourself, protect your kids, whatever the situation is. I don't know. But um, uh, things need to move toward reconciliation when possible. So that may look different in different situations. That It may be a situation where you're able to go together to your, uh, to your local pastor um, and work through this thing. And it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a lot of change and sacrifice. And um, uh, it it's going to be a hard, bumpy road. Uh, anytime abuse is involved, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a difficult thing to walk through. Um, 
So like I said, first thing, get out of a dangerous situation. Mm -hmm. uh, but whenever I say get out of, I don't mean, okay, you're abusive, immediately divorce, and that that's my I'm out. No, because the Bible does talk a lot about, in that section in 1 Corinthians 7, it talks about things like the, the unbelieving husband being saved by his, or being made holy by his wife, which doesn't mean salvation, but it means, you know, if you're living with this godly person, you are going to uh, behave a little bit differently. Um, uh, so you'll, that person will have some sort of influence over your behavior in life. Um, so for the sake of that other person, in, even though they're doing this horrible thing, at the end of the day, we don't want to see that person lost for all eternity. We want reconciliation in the marriage. We want reconciliation between that person who's doing these horrible things between them and God. Um, I believe that God can make a horrible situation like that still a beautiful thing with a great story at the end. Um, I think we, we've probably all known of marriages and relationships like that where it, there's been a horrible bumpy start or, or season or whatever, but God has worked through it. And whenever they look back, they can help others walk through those sort of things. So while it's easy to just say, this, this is wrong, I'm being treated completely unfairly this is horrible and dangerous and whatever i'm out um it, it's one of those things it's a covenant we need to walk through this biblically and and seek wisdom seek reconciliation um so that like i said <laughs> i'd have to say a lot <laughs> um through like several weeks of counseling and working through yeah. the situation with them but those are some just some quick thoughts on a very very difficult situation yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Great answer. And I think I'd, I kind of fall in the same boat if I face that situation. Um, it would be one of those things where I would ask the, the person to 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 move, you know, move out, keep yourself, find yourself in some kind of safe place, find yourself in counseling uh, with a mediator. Um, and, you know, if necessary, get law enforcement involved. So keep yourself and your children safe. Um, but, yeah, seek reconciliation. Um, and, and if it's all possible, I know that's that's such a hard topic too. Um, just and it's almost, it's such a personal topic too. Um, so it's one of those, like you said, you'd have to do like months of counseling and stuff to work it out. Um, yeah, great answer. Uh, shadow, do you want to add anything, um, add anything to that? Yeah, I think Houston did a really good job on, um, kind of just giving good examples of, of these things, you know, that, um, obviously new Testament, we see, like he said, the two biggest ones are uh, the reasons that Christ gives are abandonment, sexual immorality. Um, but then we also see in the in the that God does desire us, you know, that obviously marriage is I, I think what gets us into the trouble of divorce is when we don't take it's not that we don't take divorce serious enough, but it's that we don't take the idea of marriage serious enough, especially when it comes to counseling and leading others in that. I think that's what Deuston was kind of uh, assessing and getting at at the point of um, because people come in with their own assumptions, their own ideas, and they don't see marriage as this covenant that's for life, but rather just something and then want every and any excuse to leave that or escape that. Now, sometimes it's understandable and it's, um, and it has its, uh, reasons for wanting to at least separate before. Um, but having that desire to reconcile or having a desire to work on marriage still is so important and so crucial to that commitment that they made back then. Um, but we see all throughout, even the new Testament, as well as the old Testament, um, spots where the Lord does say, you know, uh, Ephesians five, 11 through 13 says, um, have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, um, you know, where, where God wants us to be calling these types of things out, to not let sexual morality sit in, you know, the hearts of, of partners of spouses, but rather something that we are to call out. Um, you know, this was obviously before 
uh, like uh, this was back when Israel's were the people of Israel's were uh, the Israelites were marrying you know multiple people. But I think it's uh, what was it Deuteronomy twenty one you know eleven says if you are not pleased with with her your wife let her go wherever she wishes you must not sell her or treat her as a slave um, you know because uh, it's talking about if they were to take captive other people and they find a beautiful um, person there and they want to take them as their wife too, that there is this obligation to your first wife. Now, understandably, God's doing some damage control here because he never wanted there to be polygamy in the time, but it's is verses that we see in the Bible, again, for God's heart, for the covenant of marriage, for the person you are marrying and have that relationship with again. So other, other passages that people have used to also kind of say, well, here's why I should be able to divorce if it's physical abuse, if it's, um, emotional or spiritual and you know i think those things um have to be taken in all wisdom and with uh with that caveat of each individual circumstances because again like i said this was damage control um in a time where things weren't intended and going the way god i believe i'm just being wanted it to oh sorry i thought i switched to everybody but it's it switched to you my bad all right i know that we've already been getting some questions from chat so let's uh let's go and take some of those and uh We'll go from there. Yeah. So we've got some really good ones uh, so far. Um, first, uh, I'll kind of combine a couple of them. Uh, Gotfuzz and Dale asked similar questions, but I'll read them out. Uh, Gotfuzz said, does the qualification of an elder mean husband of one wife at that time, or does the husband of one wife make divorced couples unable to be an elder since that covenant was broken rather than fulfilled through death? I.e., the summation would be, uh, can someone be an elder who was divorced? And then Dale, so keep that in mind because it's very similar. Dale said, do you or your various churches allow divorcees uh, to serve as a deacon, youth minister, music director, etc.? So basically, um, how do our churches, how do we see the idea of someone um, <clears throat> uh, who has been divorced uh, serving in a, a pastoral role, um, being ordained or, or, or what have you. Um, so how do, uh, I can answer it after, but I'll, I'll pass it on to you guys. Um, super shadow. How do, uh, y'all handle that? And how do you see that? Sorry, I was muted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was like, yeah, let me get into it. And then didn't think it into anything. Um, it's a good question. Uh, I think again, when you look at, at, and this is my understanding and interpretation of it, I, I do think there is an element of faithfulness that is being called to here. You know, that it's not someone who's just going from marriage to marriage and, and not valuing the covenant of marriage that it is and what God desires for it. Now, again, he said, if it's a marriage that isn't fulfilled in death, well, does that, my thing would be then, would we be excluding people who then have been cheated on, who have been, you know, abandoned in those ways? Um, so, so I don't know anybody. Again, I'm still learning people at my church and all the people there. Um, so I can't say for certain that we have nobody serving in any capacity who hasn't been either remarried or divorced. Um, but I, I don't know if that would necessarily be an issue, at least from my understanding and interpretation. Um, I, I wouldn't have an issue. I guess it would be a case-to-case basis, like you said, because you have things like death. You have things like um, you know biblical reasons for a divorce to take place and happen. Uh, I do think it becomes an issue when it's okay. Is this person not have a good reason? Was it just someone looking for a way out of a marriage? Um, but yeah, that's how I've typically seen it. And I have seen people who have had a divorce for one reason or another, 
serve in some capacity because I think Dale asked was the one who asked about like, well, can they be a you know Bible study leader? Can they be a you know a an elder deacon? But let's remove that that top echelon there and just say, can they be someone on the worship team? Can they be someone on the service team? Can they do can they do anything to any capacity? And I would say I would hope so. I would I would think that most churches I don't know any that I think would say completely if you have been divorced for any reason outside of death um, that you you can't serve in the local church in any way shape or form i think that would probably cause more harm than than good but i don't know i could be totally off what do you guys think uh father Einhardt, i'll go to you next i think i think from a service perspective um i think it depends on what what they're doing how they're serving if they're you know if they're greeting or if they're making coffee or something like that i think them being divorced i don't i don't know that would disqualify them from doing that kind of service in church except for maybe situations where it was uh it was super messy and and all this kind of stuff things got really bad yeah we probably Uh, don't want to throw them in marriage counseling right (laughs) yeah yeah right so i think there's certainly situations where obviously you have to kind of use some some biblical wisdom and discernment to kind of address those things um i noticed how you nicely avoided the the elders <laughs> section of that no no I, um, I gave my answer i said you know i think again it's similar to the same thing where i think what is what is paul so we're looking at at first timothy right mm-hmm. what right. is paul saying there it's writing to a greco-roman world where polygamy was a was a thing you know and, and that idea then in that covenant protective of a marriage of one man one woman was not being honored, then that person should not be leading the church because they don't have a proper perspective of mm. of marriage. So I mm. see it as both someone who is faithful, who understands the value and sees that value of marriage up there, um, and who's not going from commitment to commitment, marriage, mm. uh, and then leaving and forsaking them. So again, would I would I recommend someone who got divorced in the not ideal situations? I mean, I don't think they'd be my first choice necessarily, but if it's, you know, someone who mm-hmm. has tried for their marriage, has fought for it, but yet their spouse has chosen to get remarried to somebody else and they just kind of, I guess that's abandonment. So that falls in an okay stance. I'm trying to think of a situation where it wouldn't be biblical, but yet I'd still recommend them. And yeah. I, I don't really know if I could think of a good example right now. Yeah. Clearly I was paying attention when you were talking. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think... Um, I think those things make sense. I was talking to to my wife about this um, today when we were just chatting about Pat tonight. And one of the things that I had said from an from an elder perspective is that if an elder can't, if someone who wants to be a pastor, so for some people maybe you're not super familiar, but when I say elder, I mean pastor or elder. Those are the, the same office within a church, at least biblically speaking. I understand them to be the same office. Um, whether they're the paid or, or lay individuals, the Bible speaks from this the same. So anyway, if 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 a if someone can't hold their their marriage down, um, if if they have a hard time with their with their marriage, then that calls into question their ability to pastor a local church. Now, obviously, there's situations and circumstances in which that might be different where there might like you said there might be biblical grounds where um sexual morality on the part of of your of that person's wife or abandonment um so on and so forth but um i think those situations really call into those situations you really have to look into use biblical discernment really understand what's going on um 
But if someone were to, if I were, if I were a pastor at a church or if I were someone who's looking to hire a pastor at a church and someone were to come in and say, yeah, I, I, I would to apply, but um, I've been divorced. I would be extremely, extremely hesitant in that situation because I would want to understand what happened to a to a real to a pretty deep degree because their ability to lead and and to lead their their wife and their family is reflected in how they can lead the church and if they can't lead their family well then how does that going to reflect how they lead the church now obviously yeah. there's situations and all that um but that's what pops in my mind yeah all right. I, I think I thought of an example as you were talking and giving that. Yeah, I think, yeah. So here's here's one, and this is for anybody in chat. Feel free to give your thoughts as well. So let's say it's somebody who comes to you. Same same example, right? He he's applying to be a pastor. He's applying to be an elder at your church, but he tells you, "Hey, I he's in his forties, you know, late forties, mid forties, whatever." He's like, "Hey, when I was twenty something, I you know." knocked up this person you know we had a kid together i tried to do the right traditional thing got married had no premarital counseling weren't believers that marriage did not work out they get divorced and separated you know they're she the wife's remarried he's now remarried to somebody else now in his 40s he's come to know christ and understands now the seriousness of marriage but didn't recognize it from his 20s and now he's in this place where what is what is he supposed to do in that situation? Mm. Do we mm. do we hold him then and say yeah. then, hey, this is someone if you've been divorced by scripture, you are no longer then qualified to be an elder to be a pastor in this way. How do, so that's how do we reconcile that that type of situation? Because I think that does happen right. more often than not. You you find people who you know yeah. come to learn about God or, or take their faith seriously when they get to their 30s or 40s after they've made a wreck, sadly, of their of their life and their relationship with God in their 20s or early teens. What do you guys say to that one then? Yeah, that's a similar example as what I was going to bring up. Um, it, it's like if it's an example like that, like they did some stuff prior to knowing Christ, right? Because, I mean, you guys know I came to faith around 22. I mean, if I weren't just fortunate and blessed with an incredible wife at that time, I could have found myself in the same situation. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine that something like that that happened to you prior to knowing Christ would disqualify disqualify you from ministry, um, disqualify you from even like that of being an elder or, or pastor in in you know in, in that context. That I, I mean, I don't know. It would like yeah, I would check into it, uh, but I think Ken's kind of said the same thing. Like even if someone comes to you and they're married, you should still check into their marriage. Just right. because they still yeah. got the papers doesn't mean everything's going well. Doesn't right. mean they're living their life right. And so, yeah, I mean, I think I would, I would obviously check into it. I would ask questions. I'd want to know details. Um, but in my opinion, it wouldn't disqualify them from being an elder. Yeah. Um, I actually, while we were, because this is a great question. Um, it is, yeah. And, and that specific uh, kind of scenario, like you said, I think is more often than, than not uh, kind of going on. So I pulled up, uh, I know we're, we talk about it a lot. We're all different. Uh, denominations and from different, you know, kind of backgrounds mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, I'm ordained with the Assemblies of God. So I pulled up our like uh, bylaws and position papers and stuff to see because um, I, I was pretty sure I knew where we stood on it, but I wanted to see as a denomination where the Assemblies of God stands. And this is exactly what it says it says, uh, We disapprove of any married persons holding ministerial credentials with the Assemblies of God if either marriage partner has a former spouse living. Uh, so either partner, the the mm. man or the wife, 
um, has a former spouse living unless the divorce occurred prior to his or her conversion or for the scriptural causes of a former spouse's marital unfaithfulness or the abandonment of the believer by the unbeliever. Um, so it kind of hits a lot of the things we've already been talking about where yeah. um, that it's it's mm-hmm. for the the, the person uh, applying for credentials and the spouse um, because the Bible does talk uh, about you know, for the husband and the wife and, uh, like in the abandonment situation, then that person should not, uh, remarry, um, that, that kind of thing. Uh, but then, uh, it also addresses, it says, uh, unless the divorce occurred prior to their conversion. So you think about like, and that's why I've, I've heard many of these conversations and overheard them because my lead pastor happens to be our presbyter, which is like a kind of an overseer and and people in the area go to, to him and his committee for credentials and stuff like that. So I've overheard cause I'm in the office next door, those kind of conversations about, you He's know, dropping. so yeah, I am. <laughs> so like, okay, so we, we understand your divorce. Tell us kind of the situation and, and it's always, you know, let's hear out what happened. Uh, why is there biblical grounds for divorce? Was it uh, pre or post conversion? Um, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, according to the Assemblies of God, uh, it a lot of it does depend on if it is if that happened before or after. Right. Um, if we look at the biblical qualifications, uh, like laid out in Scripture, um, it it'll simply say things like you know if a man is a, a beyond. Uh, reproach the husband of one wife having children who believe not accused of indecent behavior blah 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 uh, beyond reproach all that um now when it says a husband of one wife does that mean like I, fuzz actually asked this earlier in this kind of way does that mean at that time or from the the beginning whenever they entered into covenant because marriage is is more than just like a legal you know whatever document it's a covenant between y'all and god um so that is a it's a serious thing like a contract you can tear up a contract but a covenant is an eternal thing it's a binding thing it's a a a very uh real thing and we need to treat it with that kind of respect i love the way you said it earlier super shadow that it's not so much that we have uh, not a strong enough view of divorce it's we don't have a strong enough view of marriage <laughs> um yeah it's just we've we've gone soft on that yeah, but absolutely. um <clears throat> yeah so it 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 is a tough one um i'm glad at this point i don't have to make those <laughs> choices um determinations but um i, I would be on the same kind of page where i would want to hear the situation and especially hear when this happened if it was before they came to christ or not because also think about uh, oh yeah my camera is crazy looking it's going nuts um, i don't know what's going on sorry yeah i'm sorry i'll work on it in a second <laughs> but i mean think about like other things what about you know all the sort of sin and debauchery and whatever that this person was in before christ but then they're born again they're a new creation all things oh i lost them trying to fix them sorry guys i'll bring him back in a second there is deuston oh, he gone He's there. He's there. Oh. I, I made you look nice. Sorry, you you cut out. Oh. At there, they are a new creation, and then <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, the Lord a new did creation. not like what you were saying, so it cut it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was fixing it. Sorry. I uh, audio. But yeah, yeah. Just basically that you know all all the all, any other thing uh, does that kind of start then that now that they're a new creation, these are the qualifications. Are they a husband of one wife? Blah blah blah. Um. So it made me want to say see... specifically. I wanted to look at what is the tense for must be um, 
because oh. it says therefore must be. Mm -hmm. So I'm I, as you were saying that I'm like, is it a present progressive, meaning that it's from that point ongoing? Is it you know, uh, is it past tense? I was gonna look at it. I don't have the answer. I'm pulling up my Greek Bible and Logos right now, just to just to look and see. So heels, keep keep going, and I'll probably chime in with something else in a minute here. Okay. All right. Cool. We'll come back. Well, I think Deucen probably still had some more questions, right? Oh, sweet. Oh, uh, yeah. And we, and we can jump back to that whenever Shadow gets uh, what he needed. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. So we had another question from uh, Ken, Kennethan, who said, um, uh, what are your thoughts on my marriage and am I biblically allowed for divorce? And I said, well, give us kind of a summation. Um, he said, I am legally married and biblically divorced went for pastoral care and since my wife is not a christian and doesn't want to reconcile so the abandonment the abandonment part applies to me um so uh there he's still legally married i don't know how long it's been since they've uh kind of parted ways but been some time uh, yeah I, I know it's been a while um but they went they did went for pastoral care uh, but his wife is not a Christian, doesn't want to reconcile, so she basically just left him, abandoned him. Um, what? Where does he stand biblically? What What do you all think about that? Uh, Ironheart, you want to take that one? I, th I mean, it, it sounds like it sounds like that it was a, a biblically. It, there's grounds for biblically justified divorce. Uh, you know, there was an attempt to um, reconcile the marriage and. Um, and the his your wife wasn't willing to to go through with that didn't want to have anything a part of it and 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 left so that i mean that sounds like the what is it first corinthians something or other uh <laughs> 715 um that i had said earlier where um you know abandonment by an unbelieving spouse so i would say that that's grounds for uh, a biblical divorce uh, was that the extent of the question, or was there a follow-up to it? Yeah, yeah, uh, that, that's... Well, go ahead, go ahead. I'm working on my camera. I, I, yeah, I was going to say, you're, I didn't know if you were, you were still here. I was going to say, I think that was kind of the question, was, is is he okay? Is that a biblical divorce in that point? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so I think I think you did answer, and I agree with you. Cool, yeah. Um, I think the... Okay. Uh, I was just going to say, I think a question that would come from that then, what about remarriage after that? Um, yeah. I think that's, and that's not, I mean, I'm going into that with question two. Then I'm going to keep my mouth shut and let question two come. Mm, okay. okay. So I looked, uh, I did a little digging as I'm looking at it. So, so for the, the verb must be right in the Greek, uh, it's, it's in the present, uh, present infinitive, meaning to be not, if it was in the perfect infinitive, that would be have to be like it it was before and it continually continuously still is that would be have to be like in order to do this thing you have to have already been x y and z so this just by looking at the greek you know this isn't definitive on anything but Explain just looking like at i'm this, five all right to be meaning that if you want to be this you at this time have to be this mm. so in its simplest forms it's if it was a present or perfect infinitive, that means that it was beforehand this thing and continues to be and has to be in this moment to be this. That's not what we're dealing with here. This to be in the Greek is to be literally right here, right now in this moment. 
That's Look. just just by looking at the Greek words here. What argument <laughs> does that better support so, or not support? Yeah. But I'm just I'm just reading the Greek, looking at that, double checking mm -hmm. to make sure I'm getting present infinitive correct here. Um, but for any English nerds who want to continue to help us with this, that's that's what we're working with here. I mean, because this is the main crux of of what we've been kind of talking about when it comes to being a pastor, being an elder, and uh, and just across the board here when it comes to understanding divorce or, or being someone who's been divorced um, sure. when it comes to being an elder or pastor. Deuston's camera's looking good, though. Mm -hmm. Good. Okay, I think I fixed it. Okay. All right. So just to confirm, that would seem, at least looking at the, the way the word is used there, it would seem that if someone were divorced, but is now currently a husband to one individual wife and not in a polygamous relationship, yeah. they are good to be a pastor. At, at least that's what it seems to say in the Greek. Yeah. So present okay. infinitive is like to live right here in this moment, to teach mm -hmm. in this moment, to bind, to strike. That's right here, right now. The perfect infinitive is... Okay is made by prefixing the infinitive to have it be have to be in the past participle, such as to have lived, to have taught, to have bound, or to have struck. Does that make sense? Mm, okay. So yep. the per perfect infinitive is in the past, and that's not what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with the present infinitive, meaning right here, right now. So. Okay. okay. Excellent. All right, cool. Just that does help. A little, Greek, Here's my... a little Greek for the day. Yeah, yeah. excellent. All right. Okay. Um, all right. Kind of coming off that. If anyone has follow-up questions for that, you're welcome to, to tag Pastor Deuston and we'll come back around to him. Uh, but Deuston, do we have any other questions? Um, let's see. We've got uh, some other tags. Uh, like Curtle just asked, uh, just kind of a, for a recap on um, the, the biblical reasons for divorce. So I just responded there in chat, sexual mm -hmm. immorality and abandonment by an unbelieving spouse. Um, Ferris, just now, I haven't even had time to read this, but he said... <laughs> Uh, so it is Ferris. Hey, Here we go. Just bury yep. yourselves. Whatever it is, right. give I'm it gonna, to I'm going to say this real quick. I'm going to step away for just a second while y'all tackle Ferris's question, but I will be listening in. Okay. All right. I'll be right back. Y'all have fun with that. With his wireless okay, cool. uh, headset. Yes. Hashtag not yeah, sponsored. There you go. <laughs> he said, we also have to look at the context of the letter to who and where it was written. It was written to Gentiles in a city full of sin and polyamorous marriages. Not that... Uh, not that Paul is only talking to Timothy's church alone, but he is knowing that specific church will hear his words. Paul is confronting the cultural norms to a biblical approach. Um, wait, whenever you, okay, hold up. We're talking about Corinthians, right? No, we're talking about uh, is, First Timothy. First Timothy three two is oh, is the one the that most people I think. Yeah, therefore, an oh, elder oh, uh, overseer okay. must be above reproach yeah. the husband of one wife so reminded self-controlled yeah, yeah. respectable hospitable able to teach gotcha gotcha okay um okay well do y'all have any thoughts on that uh that comment uh because yeah i mean everything we always have to take it in context and see what you know why why they're saying it to whom they're saying it all right. that but um does that does that play with these qualifications at all because we also have the the text in titus that says very similar things mm -hmm. um so i mean yeah there there's context but uh still that it's it, it's it's confirmed in other places is, is kind of yeah. where my mind goes on that yeah so i think i think yes historical context 
<coughs> historical t- context is important throughout all the Bible. We have to look at why was this written at this time? Was there other things going on? You know, like, like if we didn't do that, even in just in the book of Revelation, like, which we ended with last year, right? Like there's so much where you're like, this doesn't make sense. Like, how is this only applied to me here and now in the year 2021? Uh, you know, we have to understand what was, why was this written? Understanding that it does have eternal truth, eternal value. It is going to apply to us here in 2021 in some way, shape and form, but also understand the reasons why these things are written the way they were. And that's why I think overall, one of the biggest things we'll see is just the value and importance of marriage and the commitment to marriage and that covenant in the first place. And part of why we're saying if someone is going to be an elder, if someone's going to be a pastor, they have to have that high same value because it's crucial to understanding the importance of what the church's roles and functions are. Otherwise, if, if you have a, a decimated view of what marriage is, you also have probably a decimated view of what the church is supposed to be as the faithful bride of Christ. Mm. You know? Yeah. Very true. Very true. Um. Man, well, the the questions just kind of keep going. Uh, Let's keep going. He, Heels isn't here right now. He's just listening. Yeah, he's oh, here not he's, here. He's back. Um, I'm back. So, well, hey, we have more questions. <laughs> this, oh, cool. Uh, and there, there's a few more we'll come back to. Ken's got a good one. Fuzz has got a good one. Um, okay. Tropic just, just asked one that I was going to bring up myself. Uh, just a very good question. She said, if sexual immorality is grounds for divorce, then is your spouse partaking in porn? grounds for divorce because mm-hmm. i mean think about what jesus said you know right. looking after right. a woman with lust is committing adultery with her in your heart or does it have to actually be physical uh sexual immorality where when does that right. line cross that justifies the biblical grounds for divorce um so uh since heels threw me a hard question earlier i'm gonna throw that <laughs> one to you dr <laughs> yeah, yeah it, so it's funny the host my, in my the hot seat I, yeah, yeah, I know. I thought about that like five seconds after I gave you the question. I was like, man, he's he's the he's the the gatekeeper. He's gonna get all the hard questions. Yeah, um, but he gets to give them uh, away, so don't feel too bad for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, with that said, my wife and I literally just talked about this uh, as we were talking about the episode. We started talking about how um, how like yeah, you you looking at pornography, or I mean, honestly, in this in, in that part where Jesus tells us that you know looking at a woman with lust in your heart. I mean. I mean, every guy, I'm sorry, whoever you are, you're probably guilty of that at some point. Um, and, and so, yeah, is that grounds for a biblical divorce? Is it the same as like sexual immorality? And I'm, and I'm not sure you guys probably know if, if there's a better like definition of se- sexual immorality in scripture and if it, if it has to be um, physical. But at least from my understanding, it, it doesn't. Um, and so, yeah, I think maybe looking at pornography could be grounds for divorce. Um, I mean, I don't know. That is, that is such a hard one because, like, I would say that because obviously Jesus says, uh, you know, looking at a woman with lust in your heart is, is committing adultery with her, right? So, but then it's almost so normalized in today's culture that it seems like an extreme for, like, grounds for divorce. Uh, but, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, I would say that, yes, that if looking at pornography, like Jesus says, or looking at another woman with lust in your heart is the same as committing adultery with her. And sorry, I brought my dog out and he's going to go nuts now. Um, if that is the same as committing adultery, then yes, that could be grounds for divorce. But what are your guys' thoughts? I think one of the important things to know as we keep coming back to these things is just because Mm -hmm. Jesus says 
these are grounds for this doesn't mean the same as now do this because this has mm -hmm. taken place. Like it's sure. not a, yep. it's not a imperative in other places that we see when God says, you know, follow me, you know, come, come before me, you know, bow to me. Those things are imperative to whatever the subject and the, and the verb was here. What Jesus is saying is, Hey, if this is a clear issue and something that has happened, there is an openness and a grounds biblically for that, but it doesn't mean that you are to partake in it. It's not the first ideal. Again, going back to why understanding the covenant of marriage is so important is then it, it, it makes it so that we're not looking for that out. We're not trying to go find a reason for, okay, now I can divorce you and take half your stuff and go live a happier life because I'm, I'm not enjoying our marriage. But rather, it, I think Jesus is trying to just give a healthy understanding of, hey, sadly, in the perfect ideal world, no one will ever get divorced because marriage is such a high value. It's a sacrament to what the what God and the church is. But yet, because we live in in a sinful world, here are the grounds where you can do this biblically. Doesn't mean you must do this, and it shouldn't be your first option for these things. But rather, if when we understand marriage better, we see that nine times out of ten, we should stick in those things to try to help to care for one another, to help sanctify our spouse who is struggling in those things. Um, you know, when it comes specifically to I'm talking about like, you know, pornography or, or anything like that right. in that nature, I'm not saying physical abuse or, you know, sexual abuse or things like that, where it's like, okay, we'll just deal with it. Um, you know, but I think the desire should be to reconcile, to heal your marriage. And so that's why I, I would confidently say, I think that that fits in, in what you said heals in that. Yeah, that is mm -hmm. grounds. But that doesn't mean that you right. go and divorce your spouse immediately from sure. finding out that they're struggling with pornography. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I agree. I agree with that, too. And I think maybe that it, as hard and as as like different as it is to say, but we kind of group those together, actual like infidelity and and or, or you know, and cheating and and then like with looking at porn. But like, I feel like maybe even like in the situation of like sexual immorality, that there should be some thoughts of, of reconciliation um i don't know that seems so much harder to say but i mean i would still think that it would just be better for the family as a whole and and just i mean all of us here work with kids we know the impact that divorced families you know the impact that that has on children um that even in the case of sexual immorality i would like to see um at least an attempt at reconciliation um and and i and not that you know trust will ever be the same not that um, not that the relationship will ever be the same, but can you reconcile and, and come back together for the good of the marriage and, and kind of build that love uh, and trust, yes, back up? Um, so, I mean, I think kind of the same way. Like, I don't think sexual morality is absolutely right now divorced on the spot. I think there should still be an attempted reconciliation um, if it's possible. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I, I love that we're highlighting that because, I mean, you go back to, you know, Malachi 2 talks about God hates divorce. That 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 is never mm -hmm. the plan. Right. Um, yes, there are these these different kind of situations where it can be biblically permitted, but reconciliation is always the end goal. You always want to work through those those situations, hard situations, sinful situations, because at the end of the day, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short. We've all blown it. Um, and sin is always an ugly thing. It, it's always an ugly thing, whether we're talking about sexual sin or any other kind of sin, it's always an ugly thing. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we, we always need to be pushing for reconciliation. So man, good, good question. Good question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I have a bunch more. They just keep coming, <laughs> Dr. Hales. I mean, we can, yeah, we yeah. can just keep going on questions or <laughs> we're only, still well, on we, can, we can, we can, I mean, right? 
<laughs> Did we right, get like, I mean, honestly, like, right. no, we haven't even started the second one, but I, I would rather answer the questions for the people that are here right now sure. than even go yeah. on with my agenda. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, let's, let's keep them going then. Um, okay. Okay, so uh, Kennethan asked, uh, if one is biblically divorced and legally married, can they get biblically married while legally married? So you're, you're still legally married to someone, but like take his situation, for example, unbelieving spouse, they, they left, don't want to reconcile, tried to do uh, uh, you know, pastoral counseling and all that, not working. Um, but can they get biblically married, remarried while they are still legally married to the other person. Well, first I want to ask who the lucky lady is, Ken. Um, but, <laughs> that he has in mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, but okay, that actually rotates real good. If you don't mind me taking over just a second. Go for that it. actually goes really good into my next question. Um, in just the, yep. the talk of, of remarriage. Um, mm. And so, and, and in particular, um, Luke sixteen eighteen says, everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. Um, so really, mm. e even outside that, and, and if we don't mind, I'll, I'll toss this one to Shadow, uh, since I gave Deucen uh, the oh, last kind of hard one. I uh, know, I'm sorry, man. Uh, you, you can't add, give me questions right now, though, so I'm taking that <laughs> as an yeah, to my advantage. You're picking on me because I can't do anything about it. In <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, oh, so, man. okay, do you mind, you mind taking a look at that, looking at, at Luke sure. and kind of what's meant there with remarriage? Luke, what is it, 1618, right? 1618, yeah. All right. You want me to answer it right now, or you just want me to look into it and then give my thoughts once I read it? So here's what it says, right? It's in the yeah. middle. It's right before the rich man and Lazarus stuff. It's uh, right in the middle of a lot of stuff. So Jesus has this yeah. little piece about divorce remarriage. He says, everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and he who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. Adultery. Ugh. I can talk today, guys. I promise. So again, it's it's sandwiched in such a unique little spot here. Um, but what I do like is he talks about right before it uh, the kingdom of God, where he says, you know, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone fo uh, forces his way into it. It is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. And then he goes into the marriage thing because marriage was a covenant of law. Um, and so yeah. I think again, it's it's going back to that Malachi passage that Deuson was kind of talking about that God hates divorce that there there is you know we fool ourselves into believing whether it's from pornography and masturbation to you know uh, divorce that whenever we do commit sin that it only affects us and we're the only ones that have to deal with it but yet here what jesus is showing is the ramifications of how our sin carries on to others you know it wasn't just the adam and eve sin no. that was a generational sin that affected all of us but we continue to see here in a very real way him giving this example of what happens when, when we do commit divorce uh, or we do divorce our spouse um, and, and what we make then of the person that we remarry when it's done, uh, you know, not because of a biblical reason, not because of abandonment, not because of uh, sexual morality and not because of the spouse dying, but rather here it's saying it, it multiplies into other relationships. Um, and and it, this is the, uh, yeah, this is the passage where he says, says uh, commits adultery even. So we're going beyond just, the idea of breaking a covenant between a marriage, but now actually adulterous affairs being added on to that marriage. Um, again, so it just shows the mess of what happens when we don't take that marriage ser seriously. So that's what I'll start right. with. Anybody else have any yeah. other thoughts? Yeah. I'll be honest. I, I want to 
just I don't I don't have thoughts. I don't have answers. I, I had a student <laughs> ask me this. We kind of talked about this before the show. Uh, part of the reason I wanted to take on this episode is just because I don't have the answers. I really want to hear. I want to get some wisdom from you guys. Um, but I had an ex youth um, ask me a lot of these questions because he married, you know, his his youth group sweetheart, and and they got a divorce shortly after. And he kind of came to me with a lot of these questions, and and I don't know that I had adequate answers. Um, and so that's one, like, even with this whole remarriage thing, like the way that we think of remarriage, like I feel like in the world and even in like the church really goes against what Jesus seems to say about it here. Um, and so that's why I really do want to know your guys' opinions. I'm sure I'm not the only one with questions about that, um, as others likely are as well, just like Ken brought up. Um, well, so yeah, what, yeah. What do you guys think looking at that? <laughs> so here's, here's, uh, what, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Deuson. I'll let you go. Okay, uh, I was just going to say, so 1 Corinthians 7 has a, a lot to say on the remarriage side of things, too, not just divorce. Um, <clears throat> so let me, hold on, let me find exactly where it's saying. Uh, okay, so like starting in verse 10, say, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 10, says, To the married I give this charge, not I but the Lord, the wife should not separate from her husband, but... If she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. Uh, to the rest, I say, I not the Lord, uh, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. Here's the abandonment thing we've talked about some. Mm -hmm. uh, in such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. Uh, for how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? How do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? So that kind of goes back to the whole idea that we should be seeking reconciliation. But on the idea of remarriage, go back to 10 and 11. These are hard verses. And in fact, one of the questions, uh, yeah, Fuzz uh, asked, he said, with all this in mind, how do we deal with 1 Corinthians 7, 10 and 11? When it says a woman can leave her husband and doesn't give a reason, but says she must remain single or otherwise be reconciled. So- mm -hmm. If uh, someone does leave the relationship, there's abandonment. Um, <clears throat> if they uh, if they separate or if they divorce, if they leave, um, because also separate, uh, as I understand it, there is not uh, it's not the word divorce here, but um, it, it's kind of that same idea that if if you if you leave uh, the relationship, if you separate, if you divorce, um, but the wife should not separate from her husband. If she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. This is what I was talking about earlier where I said, the Bible's pretty clear on things, but some of these things are very hard to hear mm -hmm. um, because we want to just say, well, that marriage didn't work out. That's, that's bad. I learned a lot from it. I'll go into the next one better. Well, I mean, the Bible kind of gives us some clear information on this that no, you probably shouldn't. Um, you should seek reconciliation. It says that right there. Uh, you should be that she should be reconciled to her husband. Uh, but if not, then she should remain single. Um, I've always had it kind of as a almost a personal conviction. So this isn't straight uh, Bible here. This is kind of me taking that idea and trying to take the heart of it and apply it to my own life. I've always said and felt and believed 
um, that uh, if anything ever happened uh, where my wife and I, we got a divorce, which I'm not planning on, <laughs> but if that ever happened, I'm not ever getting remarried. If my wife dies, even if it's at a young age, I'm not getting remarried because in my heart of heart, in my heart of hearts, in my uh, feeling of how this all works, she is my wife, period. I'm the husband of one wife, and her name is Lauren. And if she dies, that's it. I was married to Lauren. Um, now, I'm not, I'm not saying that applies to everybody. That's a personal conviction there that I'm, she's going to be the only person I ever marry. Um, <clears throat> so it, it's a hard question with remarriage because we want to even, like, say it's a, a totally biblically justified divorce. There was... Uh, sexual immorality and they sought reconciliation but and then the person left and all all the things happen uh that biblically okay it's just not going to work and and maybe even say you're trying to reconcile and the person who left and committed adultery and did all those things serves you divorce papers um then well biblically are you free to remarry well yeah that's kind of a different situation um, because it says that you are not then enslaved. You are not, you, you're not still like accountable to that original covenant because that original covenant is no more. Um, so yeah, those are, those are some quick thoughts, a lot of thoughts, but <laughs> said quickly <laughs> on a, on a good question. Right. Okay. Um, I do want to go, we'll go back and visit Ken's cause I think I may have hijacked it when uh, it wasn't exactly <laughs> what he was asking, but let's uh, hang out here for just a moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Shadow or, or Ironheart, do you want to add to that on just the topic of remarriage? Did you want to say something, Ironheart? Because I want to say something specific about this passage here. I think tackle the passage first. Okay. I'll go from there. So with Luke 16, again, I'll, I'll try to reiterate what I was saying because I, I might not have been completely clear. What, what I believe Jesus is doing here, I think, is part of the danger, again, when we try to isolate one passage out of the one verse out of an entire passage, right? Is we miss contextualizing around it, what Jesus is saying. And so if we look right above verse 18, cause that's the, the remarriage passage, right? Starting in verse 14, it's Jesus talking to the Pharisees, the Pharisees who are lovers of money, hear all these things, right? Everything Jesus was teaching and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourself before man, but God knows your heart for what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone forces his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. So what Jesus is saying here is there, there isn't this um, detachment. There's not the Old Testament and their laws are now totally null and void, have nothing to do now with the kingdom of God, but rather these two are, are married together in this beautiful way. And he uses the example of marriage to kind of show, here's why you don't separate the two. Like, although I've come to fulfill the law, I've come to take care of all these things, it doesn't make it totally null and void in the same way that when you're married, you don't just leave your spouse and go to another because it creates these issues of adultery and all these other problems. But rather, he's saying that the law and the and the kingdom of God work hand in hand in tandem like a marriage as well. That's That's another way that I've seen this passage be interpreted. And I think that's kind of right along with what fits in with what Jesus is saying here, because it all kind of goes together, if that makes sense. You guys? Okay. Does that make sense or no? Thoughts? Yeah, okay, so I, I guess the question I, I, would, I would ask on that, 
would be does that still mean like just the direct if if is remarriage committing adultery like if even if he's comparing you know the law to remarriage it would still seem that he's saying remarriage is committing adultery yeah and i think he i think he is again not he's not going into the including you know biblical uh reasons Mm -hmm. for it he's just saying i think he's almost making a hyperbolic case here where he's going in the case of most marriages where people just up and leave each other there's this idea then where this person then just creates adultery with this person this person just creates adultery with this person and he's saying that in that same way that typical unbiblical divorces happen and why god hates divorce in that way the same is horrible when we detach the law from the kingdom of god okay cool all right i just wanted to clarify that um Ironheart, did you want to add to that? No, I I say no, and then I'm going to add to it. Um, I think I think Shadow hit the nail. On the no, head I just want to say with, some stuff. Yeah, just no, yeah. Um, <laughs> Pastor, I want to talk. Um, I think I think Shadow hit the nail on the head with with that understanding of of that passage in Luke um, 16 through 18, and and how that fits into the context of what's being said, and you know, specifically on the 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 conversation of being remarried after divorce i i say this now um but i i think that i would be in the same page as deuston in terms of like not wanting to remarry afterwards but i i I don't know i actually i guess i haven't really thought about that too much but but i have told my lauren (laughs) um that not his um, lauren you guys didn't have the same conversation i will never marry anyone besides my lauren too (laughs) <laughs> so that's my lord um i've told her we i told her this several times especially early when we got married because we would talk about you know what what are your views of divorce and and stuff like that and i was like listen if that ever comes up if there's ever a reason that i want to divorce you you just take all my stuff because i'm being a dirtbag and i don't deserve to have anything just telling you now just take it all um <laughs> and i, I just this whole conversation goes back to the the thing we were saying before is that marriage is not held high enough. The covenant of marriage is not, it's not as important as people don't hold it as importantly as, as they, as it, as they should. And as it is. And, and so I think remarrying after being divorced, ah, that just didn't work out. um, I think is just silly. Like if it didn't work the first time, what makes you think you're, you're going to do better the second time? And, and yes, you can talk about different situations with, well, I wasn't a believer then I'm a believer now and all this kind of stuff. And, and I, and I get that there's different situations and all that, but, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, like divorce is nasty and divorce is terrible. And, and I think generally speaking, painting with a broad brush here it's it would be i don't even know if i want to say the words because i think i'm just assuming too much but i just it's don't get remarried after an unbiblical divorce i think it's biblically biblically speaking it's wrong it's a sin you're committing adultery um sexual morality um when it's a biblically justified divorce those are different situations um but an unbiblically justified divorce, you you best stay single if you love Jesus. <laughs> if you don't love Jesus, you should stay single too. But that's kind of my thoughts on it. Um, we just need a bigger, at the end of the day, we just need a bigger view of marriage and, and what it means to be in a covenant relationship with our spouse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
Oh, I do want to ask a, a quick follow-up question because I, mm -hmm. I learned this from our buddy Jason Mayfield. I had a conversation with him a while back, and he's, mm -hmm. uh, he, he brought something to light that that's kind of my mind whenever I talk about stuff like this. Um, and, and he talks specifically about like handling the topic of homosexuality. And he's like, so often, uh, we, we go up on our pulpit and we preach, you know, homosexuality is a sin. Don't, don't enter into same sex relationships. He's like, but in reality, a lot of times we're talking to people that are way past that. Like not only are they in homosexual relationships, but they're married and they have three adopted children. Like, what do you say to them? And so I don't want to just stop at, you know, don't get a divorce. Don't get remarried. What would you say to someone who is living that right now? They've already been divorced. They're now remarried. Um, maybe they're now committed mm -hmm. to Christ. They're serving in their local church. Like, what do you say to that person who's in in the midst of this, and maybe he's just now learning that you know remarriage isn't isn't the right answer? So I, I, I don't want to yeah. I don't want to get myself in a bad spot with any of you guys. So who wants to tackle it? No, I'll, I'll jump on it. That's a, that's a great question. Um, yeah. Uh, I, here's what I'd say: divorce, remarriage, these kind of things. They are not the unforgivable sin. If if that has has been something that has happened in your life, if if you uh, come to Christ after this, you have an understanding of this, and man, I totally blew it. And and this situation, I've, I've caused my previous wife to commit adultery. Now I'm committing adultery because I'm married to someone who was whatever, whatever the situation is. That's not the unforgivable sin. It doesn't mean at that point, once you come to this understanding that, oh well, I entered into a marriage that this is not a biblical situation. Don't then cause further sin by divorcing again right. and, and causing more. Right. Exactly. So yeah. it's not the unforgivable sin. Understand where you're at. Uh, uh, turn to God. Repent. Confess. All those kind of things. Seek reconciliation between between the parties, between God. Um, but know that that does not mark the rest of your life. That does not mark your future. You are not forever like branded by that mistake just like any other sin um we we could all say a zillion things that we've done wrong this week you know i mean it's it's just that doesn't have to be the defining characteristic of your life uh turn to god today as in any situation today is the day of salvation seek god um and uh yeah yeah it's mm. i just i feel like we we kind of go that way a lot with with divorce and, and remarriage as well I blew it. Now what? Yeah. I'm done forever. No, don't cause more sin by, well, I'm going to fix it by sending my way out of this sin. No. Yeah. Right. Mm. Go to God. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Great answer. Okay. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Right, now we can jump back, and I think I did maybe hijack Ken's question, so if we wanted to cover that uh, again so we can ac accurately answer it. Okay, so it was back to that original question of what do you what do? You do? Wait, what was, the, what was the point of it? I'm sorry. I was trying to remember. It's so... Biblically divorced, but legally not divorced. And then is it wrong then to remarry? Is that what he was asking? I, I we're going think back so. Ken, Sorry, go ahead. Right, so we're going back to Ken's question because I have yeah, it yeah. in front of me. Okay, okay yeah. yeah. If, if can, one yeah. is biblically divorced and legally married, can they get biblically married while legally married? So they're still legally married, mm -hmm. but biblically According divorced. to U.S., U.S. legally married. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Legally, according to America, still legally married. Um, That's now, what matters. Can they what does America remarry? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> can they remarry uh, while they are still legally married, according to what the country thinks? I guess. 
it, gosh, that makes my brain hurt. Well, I mean, yeah, like, so go ahead, go ahead. I, I mean, I was just gonna say, like, I, I seen it kind of brought up in chat earlier. I mean, scripture does tell us to follow the law of the land, so I, I kind of feel like no, you couldn't be, but I mean. Are, are we saying with what we were talking about earlier with, and that's why I went into the remarriage topic of this is, can you, even if you, you experience a biblical divorce, just because the, the scripture seems to say, if you are divorced at all, regardless of if it's through adultery or abandonment or anything, are you able to even biblically remarry? Hmm. Even if it is a biblical divorce, because, because it doesn't, at least in Luke's writing, it doesn't specify uh, through uh, adultery or anything like that. And, and so, I mean, that would, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I don't know that biblical remarriage, regardless of the reason for the divorce, is permitted. Mm. And, and, and so I, I don't know if that didn't help anyone, but maybe it posed more <laughs> of a question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think, too, also with this one, I like what you're saying, Heels. I kind of agree. Um, okay. I, I, and I, don't, I think I might know. And I don't know how much of Ken's business he wants everybody getting into, but the, just even the understanding of the why... Well, if if there was, let's just say the case for remarriage was totally like a viable thing and option, biblically speaking, um, why why still stay married, you know, to someone who you've biblically divorced, you know, yeah, for what reason? I, and I think I know the reason. And I don't know if he wants me to put put that out there, so I'm not going to say what I think it is. But in my mind, then there should just be a. a a u.s american divorce <laughs> i don't know what to call it a, a land of the law divorce that then frees you from at least that biblical aspect of it as well um if you if you wanted to pursue you know remarriage in that way but that's the remarriage question heels kind of tackled already and talked about mm-hmm. um yeah he said okay he put it out there and said he uh, because of health care and retirement um which which is a kind gesture but i don't know i mean Again, I'm not in your situation, so I can't say like, oh, yeah, just, you know, like if God pressed that upon your heart right. to be a self-servant in that way to continue to love your 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 ex-wife in that way. You know, that's a hard one. Yeah. 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 Now, there is one clear verse on the idea of remarriage, but it's not after a, a divorce or a separation. It's after a death. Um mm-hmm. That it does say clearly towards the end of First Corinthians seven, which we, ha- we haven't got to this part of it yet. But there's, I mean, there's still <laughs> more stuff after what we've read in First Corinthians seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in verse thirty nine, it says a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Um, <clears throat> yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. That's Paul. <laughs> Paul. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like don't but, do uh, it. Just my opinion, Aaron. Don't do it. Yeah. The fallacies of marriage have been wiped clean from you and you got a chance for singleness again. Pursue the Lord. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. But so, I mean, there is that. That's why earlier I was saying that was a personal conviction for me. Like if my wife died, I'm not. Mm -hmm. But biblically, yeah, you could. Uh, Because that covenant, because yes, it is a covenant, but one of the members of the covenant is no more. (laughs) They they are gone. They are with Mm -hmm. the Lord. Um, So, yeah. Just wanted to bring that up. Okay. All right. Um, if we tackled that question, uh, if we got it, let us know, Ken. Uh, but with that said, do we have any other questions? Yes, we do. Okay. They just cool. uh, we got a list. Uh, okay. All right. Wait. We've done that. 
one from keep God keep Post. going okay. down. We got we got like 15, yeah. 20 minutes more. Yeah. yeah I know, okay. I, know. I, I do want to get to the original. Like my final question is directly in relation to what the original question asked asked, um, which hopefully yeah. they're here. But I, I do want to make sure we cover that at least still a yeah, little bit. For sure. Um, okay. Then uh, here's one that uh, Ivory John asked. Uh, he said, "So should pastors not do weddings if one or both people?" have been previously divorced. So if someone comes to you, say, hey, we'd like to get married, but I've been divorced before, or she was divorced before, or whatever, um, should pastors do that wedding, not do that wedding? Is it the same kind of thing with the qualifications for elder, where we need to hear the situation? Um, what do you think about that? How do y'all handle that? How do your churches handle that? Hmm. Who do you want to throw it to? You you pick. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Father Ironheart, what do you think? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question, and actually something that, that someone asked me a while ago back when I was in college, actually, because I was having a conversation with someone that I worked with about, um, about marriage and, and the LGBT community and, and what does that look like from a biblical perspective? Cause they were asking questions and they were like, okay, I understand that. Cause a lot of churches have that perspective, but what about divorce? How come churches are so inconsistent on divorce and remarriage? And I was, I, I was at that point, I was like, Oh, <laughs> and and obviously I've, as i've grown since then um and here we're at today just having that deeper understanding of what biblical marriage is and looks like and what it should look like and and how terrible and nasty divorces and um so if all that to say if someone if a couple comes into my office and says hey i'd like you to marry us but one or both of them have been divorced i I'd have to go into the conversation of um, what what was the the grounds for their divorce? Were they abandoned? Were they cheated on? So on and so forth. And what did that look like? Was it you know was there any attempts at reconciliation? What all all of those things to I would want to walk through with them um, from a counseling perspective. And and should everything come back and that it was a non it was a divorce that is, is not rooted in biblical grounds. Um, then, then I would, I would not marry them. I would choose to not officiate that wedding. Um, because I'm, I'm allowing them to participate in a, in a sinful, um, act. And that, that just doesn't, that doesn't sit well, that that's not right. Um, but if their situations were their the one or uh, the, the the person that was divorced, it was biblically rooted, um, biblically grounded, I should say, um, attempts at reconciliation, so on and so forth. Then I I would, you know, go. I think I would move forward with the marriage, but I would really want to do a lot of marriage counseling, a lot of um, trying to have each person understand what that divorce did to their to their mental mental and spiritual walk and how that's going to impact their their marriage their their new marriage now and and how does that affect how they view each other and how does that affect how they interact and treat each other and and really have want them both to understand that divorce really shouldn't even be an option that if they're both pursuing Christ wholeheartedly and faithfully um divorce shouldn't be an option um obviously situations pop up but but like my wife and i it's not an option if we're just 
ticked off at each other for a long time. Divorce is not an option. We need to work it out. We need to figure out how to compromise, how to work together, um, how to be a biblical husband and wife, myself leading the marriage and her being submissive. And, and that's an, those are equals, by the way, for those of you that just got triggered with the word submissive, those are equals working together. Okay. Um, but that's, that's kind of my initial thoughts on, on, on that. But, but I, John Ivory said earlier, he said, um, let me scroll up here. Um, is tired of, of pulpits being anti-LGBTQ due to sexual um, due to sexual morality in marriage, but still allowing divorced couples to marry. And I wholeheartedly agree. Consistency. Sin is sin, and if you're going to allow, if you're not going to allow one, you better not allow the other because those are both sinful things. And yeah. and yes, there's situations where it's biblically grounded because life is messy, um, but. But the reality is that the it, scripture clearly says sh- that if you divorce and you remarry, it's sexual morality, um, and that should not be taken lightly. In fact, I think pastors should not remarry. They those indi- pastors should not officiate those individuals' weddings. So what about well, there's a follow up? So there's a follow up to yeah. your thing then, because as you're saying it, and I don't want to go too far off topic, but. Just the reality of then, would you do any wedding that wasn't a Christian? You know, two two believers getting married. If it were, if it were, there's just like two people, time. two people in your church. You don't really know them super well. Start mm-hmm. coming to, hey, we want you to officiate our wedding. You know, we kind of we've been listening. We come Sundays sometimes, uh, mm-hmm. and you have no idea where they're at spiritually. Would you, would you do their wedding? It would require a lot of initial like. Uh, initial conversation and just getting together with them and engaging in conversation and, and getting to getting to know them. I mean, I, I my wife and I love to have people over for dinner. So honestly, we'd probably have them over for dinner at, the, at our house and we'd talk to them about um, I'd, I'd want to know their, their story, their, their testimony. Do they know Jesus? Do they not know Jesus? And, and um, if they're, if there's no, re- if they're two individuals who are not, not believers and they have not been married before um then in that case i'm still gonna do the wedding because there's no reason you know it doesn't say non-believers can't get married non-believers can still get married um but i would i wouldn't pull any punches and the pre-marriage counseling would be as it should be in any situation i suppose extremely gospel heavy and gospel centered and, and pushing them towards christ through all of that you know, Fuzz brought up Ephesians five, talking about what mm-hmm. husbands and wives are are to do for marriage, and so on and so forth. Um, so, yes, would I marry? Would I officiate those weddings? Yes, so long as there's not sin, like a, a divorce or other situations where the marriage would lead to sinfulness. If that makes sense. Kind of, I, 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 maybe <laughs> I agree with you. I think at your point, I don't know if, if I followed everything you were saying there. So basically if That's it was fair. two people who that said, Hey, we like coming here. We, we like the idea of God. We want to raise our kids in a church. Cause that's like most, most people in that way are like, yeah, we'll start going mm-hmm. to church for that reason. Um, but they're, they're not like necessarily serious about their faith, you know, and they're, they don't really know their Bible super well. You would still do their mm-hmm. marriage. Even if they're like, yeah, sure. You know, like we, we like God but there really was no real relationship with them. 
Yes. Yes. And the and the reason is that they're they're gonna get married and they're married they're gonna get married whether I do it or not, and their marriage, mm-hmm. as far as I understand it, isn't going to be sinful like an LGBT marriage or someone who's divorced, unbiblically grounded divorce getting married. Um and so what an opportunity that I have as a pastor to proclaim the gospel over and over and over again through marriage counseling and, and the wedding itself and the ceremony itself. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of my thought. On yeah. That. Yeah. Cool. And I'm an external processor. So I've just word vomited stuff. And you're like, what is he talking about? <laughs> no, I just uh, wanted to help apologies. you clarify it so that, yeah. that hearers and listeners could, could follow yeah. with you a bit more too. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right. I know we still have like a ton more questions. So yeah. 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 Let's just fire through them. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Ivory John asked a question, uh, said, are all marriages an image of Christ's relationship in the church, or does this specifically mean Jewish or Christian marriages alone? And, uh, I can tackle that one, but before I do, Hey, if I resist and thank you so much for bringing over your awesome community guys, Ooh. welcome to pastors after dark. We are tackling a question that was asked on our anonymous Google form about divorce, remarriage, uh, life after divorce, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, good question, John, to this, uh, are all marriages an image of Christ's relationship in the church? So first, uh, we have to go to, where's that idea coming from? It's coming from the book of Ephesians. Uh, in chapter five, which there uh, has been some quoting of that already. Um, but yeah, in Ephesians five, it talks about um, uh, this idea of uh, the relationship of a marriage and contrasting it or, or paralleling it with uh, uh, Christ and the church. And uh, it, it's not so much like specifically to specific types of marriages. It's talking about marriage as a whole and and the picture of marriage and what it is and how it unites two people. Because also there in Ephesians, it's referencing back to Genesis in Genesis 2. And I'm sorry, my camera is just insane. You look like a <laughs> Resident <gosh>. Evil monster. <laughs> I, I, I am. My, my true identity has yeah. been revealed. Um, there you go. I don't back know. to normal just, now. Listen to the garbled mess. <laughs> yeah, it's normal um, now. Okay, I don't know what's going on. Um, but uh, yeah, that that it's a picture of uh, Christ's relationship with the church, and it's rooted back in Genesis and how a man, uh, for this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And it's the same with our uh, us as the church being the bride of Christ, and we are. Um, uh, together with Christ and we become one. We are the bride of Christ. Um, <clears throat> so it, it's not like a specific thing to a, a specific subset of certain types of people's marriages. It's just the idea of marriage as a whole. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. I totally think this I'll just quick. Uh, oh, did I switch back? Oh, I switched to you. Sorry. Uh, I think when we we enter into dangerous de- territory, whenever we take a biblical idea or principle and dilute it with a, a preface of like a non-believer this or a, you know, what like my idea of thought is like a non-Christian wedding. It's like, well, what is that? You know, that's that's not a biblical idea in the first place. They're saying like a progressive Christian. It's like, well, that's that's not really christianity then you know that's something different from what is biblical and what we see in the bible and i think so that's always a dangerous game we play with whenever we try to put some prefix before a biblical idea within scripture yeah 
All right. Uh, let's uh, we'll we'll jump into the next question if we've covered that one pretty well. Sounds like we did. What else we can uh, do? Okay. Yeah, I think we're caught up. I'm looking back. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're good to oh, move okay? on. All right. I want yes. to tackle the the actual like the what I felt like kind of was the meat of the question here. Um, that was actually submitted in the, in the original uh, question. They said that they were divorced and not ready to uh, enter into a new relationship. Um, and in it, they said, how can they handle like, um, how can they handle like being single and being single happily? And I think it's gonna be hard for, uh, four married men to answer. Um, but, but what are your thoughts? Uh, I see Deuce already pulling out his Bible. So, uh, what do you got? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there, there's that whole section towards the end of first Corinthians seven that right. specifically talks to like widows and, and people like this. Um, so there's, there's a lot in there and again, not, not easy answers. Um, but, uh, like I, I can get it. it it's it's got to be hard to have have experienced a, a marital relationship where you do everything with that person. You're you're together. Y'all are one. Um, and then either they die or there's divorce or whatever. Um, how do you continue after that? How do you keep moving forward? How do you go through a single life now for the rest of your life? How do you find contentment in that? Um <clears throat> And so I, I say I get that that's got to be difficult, um, but um, I would say what might sound like a uh, a cliche answer, but it's a sincere answer, is to find our contentment in Christ. Um, it, it it even <laughs> kind of like we were joking about what Paul said after that, uh, you know, yet in my judgment, she's happier if she remains as she is. Um, but I mean, it, it does talk about in different places how like actually it was before uh, it was towards the beginning of first Corinthians seven where, uh, where is it? Hold up. Um, uh, yeah. So kind of at the beginning of that chapter concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman, her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And uh, here we are. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Um, so he says it would be better to remain single. Um, and in other places in scripture, it talks about because then that person can be more devoted to God and more focused on the things of God and uh, all that. But... Um, if they need to get married, then uh, go for it. Get married. That's a good thing too. But then at the end, he always he prefaces or ends it with, "But I think she'd be better off by she." Well, uh, you know, as she is. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it's 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 got to be a hard thing, uh, but truly to find contentment in Christ. Yes, it's going to be a different way of life, but um, know that God is there with you. God has still has a plan and purpose for your life. Your life does not end because that relationship ended either in divorce or in, in death. Um, life goes on. You're still here. God still has a plan and purpose for your life. 
uh, find contentment in Christ and continue to seek his will and grow in your relationship with God and see what he has next for you. Yeah. Amen. I totally agree. Absolutely. I think, uh, the idea of how do we find contentment in singleness, either after marriage or just maybe people have never been married is the same advice I would give to someone who is married and, and looking to find the same thing. Because I think there is a, a false sense a false reality, especially when you're single and you've never been married that merit that you feel incomplete, that you're not a whole person, that you're not living the life God designed for you to live because where's your spouse? Like, you know, God created Eve for Adam because he said it was not good for the man to be alone. Um, but yet I would give this, once you get into marriage, you realize that that person, that other imperfect person isn't what brings you total joy and happiness. They, they will during the honeymoon period and you're, when you're on cloud nine and enjoying, you know, marriage at first, but a sustained joy comes only from the Lord. Proverbs three, five through six, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understandings, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And I think that that's where we find, like Deuce was saying, our true joy, source of joy and hope that we can be content both in marriage and outside of marriage is it starts with that. And I love what Paul says at the end of Philippians as he writes to the to the church in Philippi here, as they are persecuted and struggle, he goes and he mentions, and my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in his glory in Jesus Christ. It's being united to Christ and being in Jesus Christ, where we find hope and fulfillment and joy. So I totally agree with everything Deuston said. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely great answer, guys. Um, with that said, if we don't have any more questions, which I didn't think I've seen any more come in, I believe we've reached the point of the show uh, where Ironheart gets to serve us up our very unique soup. All soup? Right. Yeah. Okay, so as I said before... Uh, our soup box is going to start looking a little bit different. We really want to have our soup box tie into what our conversation in the evening has been talking about. We want it to be uh, more relative and connected. And, and sometimes we, we do our soup box and it's, it is a little connected and sometimes it's not and, and so on and so forth. But we, we really want to aim this season to make sure that it all ties in. So if you, if you were here for the whole show, or if you're just coming in here at the end, um, I want to give us a, a synopsis, so to speak, a summary of, of our episode and, and how we can move forward from here. What's, what do we do with this information and how do we, how do we go home changed and different because of what we now have learned from God's word? So the question that was asked tonight was um, from someone who's recently divorced and they asked the question, um, how can they handle this new life of being single? Um, and, and, and what does it look like? Uh, being a divorced person. And, and so we've, we talked this evening about biblical grounds for divorce and that really the scripture only outlines two different situations for biblical grounds of divorce. And that is the, the grounds of sexual morality as we find in Matthew. And we have uh, abandonment by a non-believing spouse, which is found in first Corinthians. And those are the two clear grounds for divorce. And, and so the question then becomes, well, how does, how does the church view divorce uh, in, in, the, in our American context? And the reality is, uh, it's not about how does our church view divorce, but how does, our, how does the church view marriage? 
and what is what is the the significance and weight of marriage in our culture today and and the reality is is that marriage the view of marriage is so much lower than it should be thing people people say things like ah oh, well it just didn't work out we're just not compatible so i just we got a divorce it's just it's such a casual thing these days that people tend to just make such a light out of out of marriage and and they tend to say it's not viewed as important it's not significant it's just it is what it is and i think in addition to all the rates of divorce you see a low view of marriage and the fact that people are are living together they're they're giving each other they're they're having test rides to see if they're compatible with each other sleeping together before they're married and and just this this view of marriage and and intimacy within marriage is just gone it's not biblically rooted in our culture today and that has permeated into the church and because it's permeated into the church divorce rates are high and and because it's so high and it's there's so many so much of it that's happening people have a tendency to say oh well that really sucks that you got a divorce but they don't view it as sinful so then the question becomes well what about remarriage after that what does that look like and and a lot of us came down to the same conclusion that if you're if your divorce was not rooted in, in biblical grounds, then then you definitely should not remarry because remarrying would be sinful. It would be a, a, an act of adultery and, and sexual immorality. But if it was a, if it is a biblically rooted divorce, then then sure. That's something that you need to, to pray about and consider and, and walk with God and say, is this is this what you have for me? Paul would say as as be as I am and stay single, right? In my in Paul's honest opinion, you should stay single. Um, but that's not always the case. And so as we we continue to have these conversations, uh, as as Heels brought up today, it's not always about should I get remarried? It's I'm I'm twice divorced, I'm remarried now, and you add uh, other things on top of it. What do we do now? What does that look like? How do we how do we deal with those situations? And and Deuston rightly said, those are not unforgivable sins. God is still a good God. God still forgives us of our sins. And so don't sin to get out of a sin that you already committed. Another sin plus another sin doesn't make things right. Seek God and be reconciled to him and seek his forgiveness. And above all things, as the initial questioner asked, how do we live this new lifestyle as someone who's divorced? And I think that not only do we want to ask this question, how do we live a new lifestyle? How does this person live a new lifestyle now that they're divorced? How do we as single or married people live our life in light of whatever context we're in now? And I think the reality as I, I believe it was Deuston that was saying it or probably shadow, I'm getting fuzzy <laughs> on it, but we said that our, our joy and hope and fulfillment is found in Christ. It's not found in a spouse. If your hope and joy and fulfillment is found in a spouse or a potential spouse, then you're missing it. Jesus is that hope. Jesus is that joy. When we put everything we have in Christ, we don't need anything else. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him, and there is nothing else that satisfies. There's no one else that brings us fulfillment and joy and happiness 
outside of Jesus. And when we look for that elsewhere, we're going to get disappointed. We're going to get let down and, and we're going to get frustrated and it's, it's just not, not going to go well. So many people want to find that hope and that peace and that satisfaction. And they, they look for it in relationships with others. And the reality is it's found in Christ and Christ alone. He is supreme. He is sufficient. And when we try to replace him with anything else, it's just not worth it. But Jesus is worth it. He's worth everything. He's worth giving up everything in our life for him. And so regardless if you're watching and you're married, if you're single, if you're if you're if you are married and your marriage is struggling, if you're single and you're struggling, if things are going great, please please look to Jesus. Trust in him. Make him the Lord and God of your life and don't elevate your marriage or your desire to be married above Jesus. Because when you do that, things really start to crumble. Not to say that things get easier with Jesus, but we have that hope and that satisfaction and that fulfillment in him. And it's so important to be rooted in Christ above all things. So as you think about marriage, you think about um, wanting to be married or your current marriage now, um, man, chase after Christ first. Pursue him in all things. And and God, as God wills it, whatever comes next is going to come next. And just seek to be righteous and fulfilled in him. That's a summary. That's what we had tonight, guys. I hope you I hope it was enjoying and fulfilling and not fulfilling. Uh encouraging. That's the word I was looking for. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Father Earnhardt, for leading us in that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Yeah, excellent episode. I, I it was I learned a lot. And I'm thinking everyone else did as well. Um, definitely something that was needed with that said guys we've reached that point where we get to all um, shamelessly plug ourselves um, and so we will start uh, i'll start from my left to my right and so i'm going to start with my boy shadow uh, where can the good people find you uh yeah you guys can find me tomorrow i'll be live supershadow.com 10 a.m tomorrow um yeah i've been i've been trying to adjust my schedule with uh work stuff because i have stuff like every other week in the mornings but this Monday, I don't. So this is my clear Monday. So Monday, Tuesday, I'll be live, 10 a.m. Switch.tv slash Super Shadow. But I want to take this second to really uh, promote. You guys are going to see next Sunday. We're going to talk about what next week's episode is. But an hour and a half beforehand, we're going to have the pre-Pastors After Dark show. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be on with our new hosts, who we're going to keep secret for right now, because we're going to announce them when they come. Uh, but every week, you guys could come an hour and a half early to this channel and you guys could have questions ahead of time you guys could start praying together on these things and this topic as well as having one of the pads who are going to be on the panel kind of give their foresight of what they think is going to be asked uh, what might come up what might not come up and kind of cover anything that maybe we don't have time for in these hour and a half two hour episodes that we do so come early be a part of it there's a lot of cool stuff we're going to have and make sure to get your questions in for the gatekeeper way ahead of time by asking it an hour and a half before the show even starts. So I encourage you guys to come back hour and a half before Pastors After Dark starts. You'll see it go live. So make sure you guys are following and all that good stuff. So that's that's what I really wanted to plug today. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be awesome. Man. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Uh, with yeah. that. All right. Uh, Pastor Deucen, where can people find you? 
Yeah, you can find me right here on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Pastor Deuston. I'm a real pastor who plays Pokemon, Doom, and everything in between, all with the intention of sharing God's love with the gaming world, because I believe God loves gamers, and so do I. Um, I stream every Tuesday, Friday, Sunday. Love to see you there. Um, you can also find me on YouTube or Twitter, anywhere on the internet that you're active. I'm probably active, and it's at Pastor Deuston everywhere. Love to connect with you. Clean. Awesome. Ironheart, where can we find you, man? Man, I don't stream. Let's be real. Um, <laughs> uh, if you guys want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Father Ironheart. Um, if I do stream, actually, these days, it's going to be on the GMA channel. I'll probably be hosting a community night or something like that. You can find me there. If you do want to follow my Twitch channel, you're welcome to. It's It won't go live, so it won't bother you. Um, that's Father <laughs> Ironheart as well. Um, but if you want to advertise it. Right, right. It's not going live. Um, it won't bother you, so please follow. Just give it a follow anyway. Um, if you do want to interact with me, you can send me a DM on Twitter or jump into the GMA Discord. I'm usually pretty active in there, and I'd love to connect with you if you have any questions, pray for you, whatever you might have. Awesome, man. And I do encourage you guys to all go and check out all these guys. They're all creating uh, awesome content, um, with the exception of Father Ironheart, who is just <laughs> himself awesome. Yeah. Um, so you just want to chat with him one-on-one -on -one anyway. <laughs> Um, guys, if you want to hang out with me sometime, I stream every Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday over twitch.tv slash Dr. Hills. Also create some content, just a little bit of stuff here and there over on YouTube. Uh, I got two different channels, youtube.com slash that bold life and youtube.com slash Dr. Hills. Uh, so be sure to check me out there. Come hang out with me sometime. Um, I've lately been doing something I said I would never do and that was play GTA, but I've got like sucked uh... into a role play server and, uh, to be fair, there's a lot of other like Christian streamers and stuff on it, so it's mostly family friendly. But I've also got a hotkey for when it's not, and I'm just like, <laughs> when mute people everything. are like, die, mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when they're going nuts, I'm like, I, I, I kill it. But uh, yeah. Any, anyway, that's uh, you can come hang out with me sometime. Uh, Lokar, thank you so much. Um, yeah. Anyway, I do encourage you guys to check out all of the 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 pastors that are here. Um, a lot of awesome guys right here. And uh, I Appreciate think with that said, I can uh, I can I can I tell the topic of next week as long as I don't talk about who's hosting. Yeah, no, no I was saying I'm just keeping because the host of the pre-show okay. isn't any of us that are on pads right now. Oh, gotcha. Okay. We'll be we'll be featured on there because one of us who are going to be on the panel that week will jump in there that half hour early and, and dialogue oh, nice. with them. I'm just taking this first one because I'm behind and I didn't ask any of you guys to. So I'm going to jump in with <laughs> yeah. them. But this host is going to be consistent. They're going to do every single episode of pads. And we're just going to rotate Ooh. in different pastors. But that host is someone that the community doesn't really know very well yet. So that'll be announced that nice. day. So, yeah, you can talk about who's hosting and doing what for the regular. Oh, time. gotcha. Okay. I thought I was talking that's right. Y'all can tell, guys, I'm definitely in the know. I'm following everything that's going on here. Um, <laughs> anyway, next week we're going to be tackling the hard question of is there anything God can't do? And I think the question that might have been posed specifically uh, was Ansan's question of can God create a rock so big he can't lift it? Yeah. Um, and so we're going to. You know, everyone wants the answer to that, and I'm sure Deucin's going to give it to us. So, uh, be here for that. How this is going to be a two-hour show, I'm not sure. So, chat, come back because yeah, come, come with questions, guys. You know, come with questions. we've gotten the criticism that like the show goes really deep, or we just go to really dark place. You know, we talk about yeah. suicide, we talk about divorce. You know, we go pretty deep and dark and heavy, which is fine. This is kind of like a little bit of a lighter episode. Uh, it is, where yeah. it could seem like it could get silly, or it probably is going to end up back at the same spot. This was just this right. was an attempt to offset the the heaviness of other episodes with something that I, I dig it. A lot I of people ask. Fun, yeah, yeah. I think, this I think is also one episode. of those though that could be like so like theoretical that we could get into all sorts of weird questions <laughs> next right. week. Yeah. So.
Very true. I thought this we'll question say, came uh, out we'll of the song. You know, there's nothing that a god can't do. That song. I was like, that someone wanted to challenge that and be like, Pads, actually, <laughs> is there anything God can't do? Right. Yes. Oh, that might have been the, the closest we've had to anyone leading worship on the show. And I've been requesting <laughs> that for a while. Yeah. With oh, us having to worship guys on our on our crew. But yeah. all right. DMCA, um, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. That's holding us back. You just you just work together, write a couple of songs just for pads. And uh, there you go. We'll, we we'll copyright them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right. With that said, guys, uh, have we decided who we're raiding today? Uh, yeah. Hang PT, out with for a bit? PT nice. Okay. All right. All right. Well, everybody, do us a favor. Hang out. Let's go hang out with one of our friends. Um, and if you guys would like to say anything as the raid goes through, you're more than welcome to because I'm out of words at the moment. All right. We're going, guys. <laughs> Join the raid. We'll see you guys all next week on Is There Anything Our God Can't Do? See you guys. Have yeah. a great time in PT Stream. Bye. Bye, guys.